Uh, last uh, time we studied the idea of aiming for spiritual excellence uh, in a relationship with God where I am consciously giving Jesus my best. Today, uh, we want to talk about the natural spillover, the natural spillover that occurs when I give God my best. When I aim for my spiritual best, it has a natural spillover of excellence in every other area of my life. And the Apostle Paul makes this connection in his letter to the ancient city of Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human bosses, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Paul says that when I give my best in my relationship with God, it spills over to everything I do. He says, whatever, whatever I do, I do with all my heart. And whatever is, you have to admit, a broad category. Uh, it means every relationship, every personal encounter, every job, every opportunity, in everything, God is calling me to give my best to aim for personal excellence. But just before we study what that means, to aim for personal excellence, uh, we need to remember how much is at stake here. Uh, one purpose of the Bible is to introduce me to people who aimed for their personal best out of their love for God. The Bible tells of those who aimed for personal excellence, those who didn't, and how much was at stake in each case. One of the stories of this uh, excellence coming into a, a, a life and, uh, and an illustration for us today, it's at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 24. The story begins with Abraham, who is now a very old man. His wife, Sarah, is dead, and it is time for his promised son, Isaac, who was given to him in his old age, it is time for Isaac to find a wife to marry. And uh, this is a very big deal. <laughs> it's a very big deal because uh, the future of God's worldwide salvation rests on Isaac finding the right woman. Why? Because Isaac and this unknown woman would together initiate the lineage from which would come Moses and David and, yes, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The big question was, how? Uh, how would this woman of excellence be found? <laughs> I mean, Abraham and Isaac were shepherds. They lived in a vast wilderness. There wasn't any dating service. There were no newspapers where you could put a personal ad like attractive nomad with good prospects, searching for female interested in travel and starting a nation, one child at a time. There was no ad like that. You couldn't put in. That's not happened. So how is Isaac going to find a wife? Well, the burden fell on Abraham as the father. It was the custom in those days for the father to arrange a marriage for his kids. And the older my kids get, the more reasonable this seems to me as we go along. So Abraham sends out his most trusted servant, Eliezer, 
uh, who in Genesis chapter 24 assembles 10 camels, uh, loads them up uh, with gifts, and he sets out for Abraham's ancestral region. And when Eliezer gets to his destination, he's suddenly uh, hit with the awesomeness of this responsibility. So he comes to the well uh, that was the gathering place for the people of that region, and he kneels at this well, and he prays, God, help me find the best woman for Isaac. And Eliezer gets a God-inspired idea, and then he prays, God, as the women come to this well to get water, I'm going to ask them for something to drink. And if a woman replies, I will give you some water, but I'll also water your camels, I'll know that that is the woman uh, that you have chosen. And so Eliezer waits, and the women come to the well to get water. And uh, among those women is a young woman named Rebecca. And Rebecca is described in that uh, ancient Hebrew text in this way. She is described in the ancient Hebrew as a woman of character and who is fair to look upon. And that is ancient Hebrew for the fact that Rebecca was a righteous babe. And uh, loose translation, but that is what she was. And even more important, Eliezer asks her for a drink of water, and Rebecca immediately lowers her jar into the well and gives him a drink of water cheerfully. And then Rebecca looks at his 10 camels and, and says, you have a drink, and now I will also get water until all your camels are fully satisfied. And this is the kicker in the story, because do you know how many gallons of water a thirsty camel drinks? 30 gallons apiece. So we're talking 10 camels, 30 gallons apiece. It means that Rebecca was eagerly going to draw up 300 gallons of water to this, for this person she had never met before. Do you know what that says about Rebecca? It says that she is a righteous babe with serious abs. And uh, more importantly, uh, it says that she gave her best in every encounter, that she gave her best to each person in each situation. And by the end of the story, we learn what was at stake here. Uh, if Rebecca had not aimed for excellence, she would have missed her opportunity to be in the Bible, missed her opportunity to meet the man of her dreams, and missed her chance to be part of God's big plan. But because she gave her best, even in the midst of ordinary things like hospitality and drawing well water, she qualified herself to be part of God's plan, to become the mother of God's people, the ancestor of the Messiah, a woman who has been celebrated by millions and millions across the globe for thousands of years because of her role in bringing salvation in Jesus to the world. And she would have missed all of this if she had decided to give Eliezer the bare minimum. Uh, you could say that what set Rebecca apart were those three little words of personal excellence. And then some. Giving 
some well water to a thirsty man was expected. But Rebecca aimed for excellence by giving what was expected and then some. And I know I'm speaking to some men and women here who are single and who really want to be married someday. And I don't know if God has a spouse in store for you or not. But what I do know is that Rebecca proves that you're opening yourself up to God's best when you aim for nothing short than your personal excellence in life. If you are single, Rebecca would give you this advice. Don't focus on finding a spouse. Focus on treating each person in each situation with an excellence that gives what is expected and then some. Give each person what's expected in the way of kindness and then some. Give each person what's expected in terms of patience and compassion and love and then some. And Rebecca would say, start at home. As you start giving your personal best, start at your hometown well. Start with the people you live with, making it your first priority to aim for personal excellence at home. God chose Rebecca because God wanted to start a special family. God wanted to start the Messiah's family with excellence. And as a follower of this Messiah, God is calling me to the same excellence by choosing to give my best at home. Uh, that's radical. <laughs> because honestly, that's, on, that's not how most of us think about home. Uh, we don't think of home as a place where I give my very best. In fact, it's just the opposite. Most of us, when we think of home, we think of home as a place where I get to relax. Where relax means, unfortunately, where I can be self-absorbed, passive, even thoughtless, or inconsiderate. And unfortunately, our homes show this kind of selfishness because we have marriages here that are joyless and loveless. We have uh, parenting represented here that's full of impatience and harshness. There are sons and daughters here who seethe with anger toward their parents. We have brothers and sisters who treat each other, to be honest, something just short of cruelty. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm in a home like this, God is calling me to do my part to aim for something higher at home. And I know you say, my marriage is so broken, I can't fix it. My family life is such a mess, I can't fix it. Understood. God knows that one person can't fix a whole family dynamic, but God calls me to do my part and then some. For instance, God is calling me to express appreciation and then some. Uh, I put this matter of appreciation first because I recently read a study from the University of Georgia that actually identified one habit that most contributes to marriage satisfaction and healthy, happy families. And it is this habit of expressing appreciation to each other. And it makes sense. 
Because uh, if you think of the, the number one complaint that you hear in families, it's uh, a husband saying, I cannot win with my, my wife. Nothing I do is good enough. It's a wife saying, my husband takes me totally for granted. It's sons and daughters uh, saying, my parents, it's non-stop scolding me for what I do or nagging me for what I don't do. And if you hear it, you'll hear it, nobody appreciates me at home. But this dynamic can change by giving my best at home, by heaping honor and value on my spouse, on my kids, on my parents, on my siblings. You know, some expression of appreciation is expected. You know, card uh, birthdays or anniversaries, every home has bare minimums. But giving my best means that I give every expected appreciation and then some. It's important to remember what appreciation is. Appreciation is not the same thing as just saying thank you. Uh, thank you is what we say to people when they do something for us. Thank you, Mom, for the meal. Thanks, Dad, for the ride. Gratitude is important, but expressing appreciation goes deeper. Expressing appreciation is communicating what I value in the other person. Gratitude is thanks for what you do for me. Appreciation is thanks for who you are to me. Appreciation is the husband saying to his wife, I got thinking today and how you are not only beautiful, but you bring beauty to everything you touch. It's the wife saying to her man, I really admire the wisdom that God's given you for the difficult decisions we've been facing recently. It's the dad saying, son, I really respect you and the way you have a heart of compassion for people who are hurting. This is expressing appreciation, expressing gratitude for who you are to me. And studies say that this is the biggest secret to increasing happiness and healthiness at home. So aim for excellence at home by going beyond the bare minimum and show your family appreciation, and then some. Uh, but words are not enough. Uh, a decision to aim for excellence at home also means that I choose to show affection and then some. Uh, words of appreciation can become you know, pretty hollow and meaningless unless I'm following up with uh, actions that show my affection. That's what affection is. It's love action. And there's a bare minimum uh, of love action that is common to every house. But giving my best at home is giving what's expected in terms of love action and then some. Uh, but in order for this to be effective, I need to identify each family member's love language. Uh, in other words, I need to start by putting some thought into what says I love you to the different members of my family. Because it doesn't do much good for me to continue sending pretty love notes to my spouse if what really says love to my spouse is spending some fun time together or physical touch. The same goes for each member of my family. If I want to be excellent at home, I need to know 
my family members enough to actually think about and, and meditate on the fact that they have a certain love language, and I need to show them that expected ex affection and then some. And there's another reality in families. Uh, if I choose to aim for excellence at home, I must choose to extend grace and then some. Uh, you know, just a, a, a reality, I don't know if you've caught up with this, but uh, families hurt each other. People in families, people who live together can't help but hurt each other along the way. Truth is, some family wounds go deeper than any other wounds in our lives. And so part of being excellent at home is choosing to become the best forgiver that I can be. A few verses just before God says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. God says this, make allowance for each other's faults and give anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Finally, if I want to aim for excellence at home, I need to choose to serve humbly and then some. Like I said earlier, most of us do not consider home a place to be excellently unselfish. Uh, truth is, most of us see home as a self-centered place where I get my needs met and I get served. Uh, but if I want to be excellent like Rebecca, then I need to see my home as a place where I humbly serve and then some. About the 20 years ago, uh, the business world was all abuzz over a uh, cutting-edge book uh, that described uh, companies, the, the most super successful companies, and what made them so successful, uh, including radical customer service. And the book was called In Search of Excellence, and it featured a story about Nordstrom Department Store. The story was about a man who kept hearing from his wife and his daughter about how wonderful Nordstrom was, and uh, he was a little skeptical. It's just a department store. What's the big deal? Uh, but before a business trip, he needed a suit, and so Nordstrom had a sale, and uh, he went there, and uh, the salesperson was super, super helpful at Nordstrom, and the man actually bought two suits and was told uh, that by store guarantee, uh, his alterations on the uh, suits would be completed the next day before closing. So the next day uh, came, and he went back to Nordstrom, and uh, uh, he went a little earlier, I mean, significantly before closing, and uh, he was first surprised by the salesperson who only met him one time but actually greeted him uh, by name. And uh, then with sadness, the uh, salesperson said, oh, but you're alterations on your suits, uh, they're, not, they're not finished yet. And the man couldn't wait to tell his wife, you know, uh, that Nordstrom, you know, was not as great as they were making it out to be. And so he left uh, for the airport without his suits. Uh, he arrived in Dallas and checked into his hotel. Next morning, the hotel phone uh, was blinking at his bedside with a message. Sure enough, uh, the folks at Nordstrom had contacted his wife to find out where he was staying. They had overnighted his suits to the hotel at their expense. They'd included three expensive silk ties that matched the suits they threw in for free, 
along with a personal note of apology from his salesperson. And in the book, uh, the man says that these remarkable acts of humble, personalized, thoughtful service made him a Nordstrom customer for the rest of his life. When I buy uh, gifts for my wife, Jen, I don't go to Nordstrom. I, uh, I have another go-to place uh, that also has customer service. But uh, after reading this Nordstrom story, I went to the place where I love to shop for my wife. And I said, would you do this for me and, and my wife? And they said, no. And uh, they said, no, because we don't have a staff to accommodate this kind of thing. And I said, no, because you don't spend enough money here uh, to justify that kind of thing. And then finally they said, besides, we don't even do alterations here at BJ's. So, uh, <laughs> the point is not how cheap I am. The, uh, the point is that if a department store motivated by money can be so passionate about organizing itself around a, uh, an interest in my needs and meeting my needs and going to the second mile to meet my needs, if a department store can do that, how much more can I organize my life around that same passion for my own flesh and blood, for the people I live with? How much more can I be excellent in knowing the needs of the individual family members that I live with and I'm called to love? How much more can I serve my wife, my husband, my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my brother or sister? I can give my best. And for me, the time that I most come up with ideas of how to serve my wife or my kids is when I sit down for a moment and pray for them. Pray for them by name. I say, God, I want to show them my appreciation, my affection, my grace, my willingness to serve. Reveal to me what I could say, what I could do, and then one by one, bringing them, lifting them up. And when I do this, God reveals things, specific things, ideas, impressions that look just like he gave to Eleazar at that well. And I encourage you to try it. Try it this week, one by one. Lift someone who's significant in your life. And then listen. And then act on what you hear. And then some. I know I'm speaking to some people. You don't, you don't have a family or you live alone. But I'm sure you can see how these principles apply to any relationship. And even though I've, I've been emphasizing the idea of personal excellence in relationships today, Rebecca illustrates how this principle relates to whatever, whatever I do in life, which goes back to what God says in Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart because it is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, in a sense, everyone here has a hard life. Everyone here knows that their life is not perfect. Everyone here has struggles. But I also know I'm also speaking to some people, and you have a very hard life. 
And if that's you, I know that right now there's a part of you that's resisting me and this whole idea of personal excellence. You're saying, I'm barely surviving in life. I can't be pursuing excellence. Or you say, it's just me. I'm a nobody. What difference does it make if I pursue my best? But I bring you back to the fact that these words from Colossians, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. They were written to people who were at the lowest rung on the social ladder. Uh, they were written to people who were poor and beaten and mistreated slaves who were called nobodies in their society. And I bring you back to Rebecca, who her job was just a simple routine of doing stuff like getting water from a well. And what we know from history is that those first century slaves who read uh, and heard this message about do whatever you do with all your heart, they did it with an excellence and did their best in Jesus' love in a way that conquered the Roman Empire with Jesus' love and changed history. And we know that Rebecca did her best in obscurity and ended up part of the biggest thing that God has ever done on this planet in bringing Jesus to the world. I don't know the details of your life, but I do know this. You only get one life, and there is too much at stake for anything short of your personal best. You know, maybe you say, I am, I'm just a teenager, but who knows what's at stake and how God could use your personal best to bring the living water of Jesus to someone who's thirsty, a peer of yours, who maybe right now is thinking about ending it all. Maybe you say, I'm just a retired person, but who knows what's at stake and how God could use your personal best to reach out to your neighborhood and bring families to Jesus in a way that changes the whole dynamic. Maybe you consider yourself just a corporate employee, but who knows what's at stake and how God could use your personal best to bring healing to that broken person who's just desperate and working in a cubicle right next to you. Maybe you're a family man or a family woman. Who knows what's at stake? God could use your personal best to not only change the spirit in your home right now, but change generations to come in the process. Think about this. Think about your life. Think about what you're aiming at at school or at work, at home, or right here at church, and ask, am I aiming at nothing, or am I aiming at nothing short of my personal best? And then I need to remember who it is that I serve. If it is Christ that I serve, then out of love and worship and glory to him and the receiving of his spirit that enables me to live at my best, I choose to give him my best and then some. How about you? I'd like to give you a moment here just at the end. Uh, just going to let you just take a moment and reflect. Because maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something here that you're going to look back on and say, this was the moment. 
This is the moment when God said something to me that changed the way I approached a key relationship in my life. Maybe approached my whole family. Maybe changed the way I approach work. Or maybe the way I approach what I give God here at church. You spend a moment, and what I would suggest is that you start with a relationship. Could you lift up one person, one person who is close to you, and would you just try that, that, that little exercise of just saying, God, I want to give this person something that shows my appreciation, my affection, my willingness to serve, and then some. Would you just show me what that would mean for me today? So let's take a moment and just spend a moment with the aim of giving personal excellence out of worship of Jesus.